All we want to find out is how apes rose. Well, it began uh, in our prehistory with the plague that fell upon dogs. And cats. And hundreds and thousands of them died. And hundreds and thousands of them had to be destroyed in order to prevent the uh, spread of infection. There were dog bonfires. Yes. Do you expect me to talk? Hello and welcome to episode 196 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm Becca and as always joined by my fellow co-hosts Chris and Dave. We also welcome our special guest Charlie Brigden. How are you all? Good evening folks. Hi. Hello. Very enigmatic. <laughs> and hello Well Charlie. this is riveting. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hi. I said hi. Did you? Yeah. To, be, to be fair, I wasn't listening. Um, <laughs> Maybe you were doing an impression of the three astro apes when they arrive well, on Earth. We're off to a flyer. And they're all a little bit yes, like, yes, the, yes, because that was um, that was intentional. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, that would make one of you Kim Hunter, so you can decide which one is which. I'm happy to be Kim Hunter on the basis she's great in this film. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, we're just all just sipping on grapefruit juice plus. Well, yeah, basically, I'll be really good and very drunk. That's <laughs> on great juice plus. And knocked up. No, I don't want that bit. See, I, it, it's kind of odd that like Kim Hunter kind of did like the best uh, piss acting while dressed as an ape. It's really odd. <laughs> she managed to emote through the moth. More or less. I mean, you do see there is a lack of articulation around the mouth. They can't really help that. It's not yeah. really a criticism, but there's a bit in the film where um, uh, she she sort of side onto the camera talking, and like the mouth isn't really moving. There's just the slightest movement, but you know, it's the best they can do. I do wonder how much the sort of um, cutting budget might have affected some of that, because we're now down to a budget of two point oh six million. So we're just over a third of the budget from three years before. So uh, they have cut their cloth accordingly here, though of course there's going to be a little bit less in sort of set building and all the rest of it because of when it's set. Well, before we get to that, Becca, what are we covering tonight? Tonight we are recu- tonight we are continuing our review series on Planet of the Apes, and we are discussing Escape from the Planet of the Apes, starring Rudy McDowell, Kim Hunter, Natalie Trundy, Bradford Dillman, Eric Braden, um, Emmett Walsh in a very early role, Salman here, and Ricardo Montalban. And also Norman Burton, aka Felix from Diamonds of Forever. The score by Jerry Gold Smith, the script by Paul Dean, directed by Don Taylor and released in nineteen seventy one. They've got a, a sort they of missed out a huge swathe of this of the cast, so apologies. Oh uh, we'll, we'll get to whoever we need to talk about. Uh we've got yet another before we go into the sort of making of it, which I was gonna talk about a little bit. Um third change of director in three films. So we've got Don Taylor this week who was an actor and director, uh, just chatting offline with Charlie. Um, Film-wise, best thing he's probably known for uh, would be um, the second Omen film, uh, Omen 2, Damien, from 1978. Uh, he also did The Island of Dr. Moreau and a few other things, but he's also known as uh, was known as an actor, so he was in the original Father of the Bride. Um, 
and various other things. I don't know him particularly well. Even with a picture of him, I'm struggling to place him. Um, he'd have been about 50 around the time this film was being made. Um, so, yeah, we've got a change again. Uh, again uh, in terms of um, cinematographer, we've got Joseph Virosh uh, uh, this time. Hugely long career, including It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, he lends that. Uh, that little-known film. Much, much a little-known film. Later in his career, yeah. he, did, he, did the, he did Blazing Saddles and The Towering Inferno. And quite then varied, did, then. Quite varied. And then, he, and then he did the two airplane films. So... It's got sort of comedy, drama, All over the place. Creature yeah. features, everything. Absolutely. And, of course, on the music side, because we do talk about this each week, uh, Jerry Goldsmith is back. Uh, very, of course. very different score from the first film. Definitely. Um... Again, very, very cheap film. I, I th some of its needs must, and I think some of it is budget. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to find a way to get us back to then present day anyway, because it's cheaper to do that. It's a bit like when we talked about the making of The Godfather and they wanted to shoot it um, in the period the film was made in to save money, and they, there was a big fight over that, because as soon as you start putting period detail, period costumes, or at least bespoke, um, and sets in yet the price goes up but of course we do have that ending to uh, beneath the planet of the apes which was the attempt to sort of close the series down really to shoot themselves almost shoot themselves in the foot uh, but they found a way around it which took me by surprise the first time i saw this because i vaguely remembered seeing um planet of the apes films where it was set present day and I thought I must have imagined that. And then, of course, I go through the box set, and by the third film, there they are. So, um, Charlie, you know this film fairly well, I'd have thought. Obviously, you two haven't seen it, have you, before the watching for this? No, I haven't. No, uh... this, this, this series, apart from the um, the newer films, like this, these first Planet of the Apes films, is the first, first time I've seen them ever, especially for this show. Yeah, okay. Charlie, what's your background with this film? Just, again, one of the group, really. Was it a standout to you when you saw them? Um, not originally, but kind of when I, when I saw them again as, as an adult, when I kind of ordered the big expensive DVD box from America, um, the one that, that had the Statue of Liberty on the front of the cover. Um, <laughs> Which I got for a fiver, so clearly that was a different year. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that was, yeah, that was, that was back when it, it was big. It was really difficult to yeah, yeah. Um, get DVDs from America, and it just yeah, it immediately stood out as as a completely different take, um, and uh, but a, a really really good one, and it, and it still stands out. Yeah, um, I, I guess. Um... I don't know what I think of this film in that I don't I, I know what I think of it, but in terms of its conception, I don't know if I think it's really brave or really almost cowardly. It's like, oh, let's just do it in the present day and knock out a cheap sort of film. But th there's something a, a little bit brave about this because the first two films did pretty well and they've completely changed the format. It, this is now a very different film. It's It's not sci-fi in the same way. Its tone is notably lighter. It's hanging the film on a couple of supporting characters from the first couple of entries. Um, it's returning in a leading man who wasn't actually in the second film. So this, I suppose there's an element of risk in this. And there are very few big stars in it. Yeah, I kind of... 
I kind of felt watching it, it was it was almost like it, it, in a re- in a really weird way, it felt like the logical next step because it, it, it this is kind of like the what if of of doing the first film but in reverse. The apes find themselves back in back in present day Earth, and while it does feel like a completely different film, it does feel it still feels of a part of the franchise. It feels like the next logical step where where you should go. So I, I kind of found it like odd that it was completely different in tone, but then then really appropriate at the same time. I thought. Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, my I've seen this film twice. Uh, my opinion of it has changed um, each time I've seen it. <laughs> that sounds really bad. Um, also, I saw the the trailer, um, and I thought. Oh, it's going to be quite silly, obviously bringing them to what was then sort of present day, sort of seventies, California. Um, and I sort of thought, oh, sort of dressing up in modern day clothes, and you sort of sort of see clips of like during the court scene where they're like, oh, d- does he talk as well? And he's like, only when I let him, sort of thing. Um, and sort of drinking copious amounts of wine, um, and things like that. And I just thought, oh, it's going to be one of those films. Um, and then, but the the ending just completely completely fooled me so obviously I sort of watched it again my opinion of it has changed a little bit I kind of there's such a sharp contrast between like the 50 minutes of fame and um and the really stark or the depressing ending um but yeah I just I think for me so far this is so so far it's the best film in the series for me so yeah that's kind of long and rambling so Let's go on to open your thoughts then. So um, I would agree with that. So I'm just going to push uh, forward, sorry. No, no, no. From my perspective, I completely agree in that I, I liked it completely unironically. I don't know if it looks impressive, cheap or what, but the end effect is like it's a very, it's at once a light film with, um, but with some interesting ideas, themes, um, interactions, a decent script. The two leads are, are just exceptional, I, I, I particularly, well, both of them, but, but Kim Hunter if I had to single one out, mm. it's like really emotive in the suit. Her body language is terrific. Her, her sense of intelligence, the warmth between the two of them that selling them as like a really loving couple as well. But at that comfortable stage of a marriage, you know, that stage that you, you, you just mentioned, you know, do, do, do you talk what, just only when she lets me that that's not a resentful marriage. That's like a, a warm and easy ambiance several years in. Um, so I, I really like many, many couples can probably relate to that as well. Yeah, and and I think many years on, I, I think Eric Braden's character Otto Hasline um, is sort of notionally the bad guy in this film. But until a particular scene late in the film where he does sort of sneer and smirk, he doesn't play as that. He's just got an agenda, and his conversation with the president at one point about the, the threat they do or don't represent. It is really well thought out and really well written. Paul Dean's script guy, who obviously we, we've talked about before, wrote, um, well, Goldfinger would be sort of best known to us, but he, he also wrote uh, the 1970s Murder on the Orient Express. He wrote The Taming of the Shrew, um, the 67 sort of Burton Taylor uh, film, and uh, The Spy Came In from the Cold, amongst other things. Um, so it's really accomplished. It, it's got a, to me, it's got a score that sort of, plays light fun fairly comedic but the film is much much more than that and to me 
yeah, it's not the sort of epic the first one is. It, it's not the expensive sci-fi the first film is comparatively. Although we did we did talk about that not being as wildly as expensive as it could have been, but I mean it's it's certainly pricey compared to this. But it's the one that makes me think most. It's the one that makes me smile most, and it's the one that uses its running time most effectively so far. That's it from me as an opening thought. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I really enjoyed my time with um, this as a as a at first and only watch. Uh, I, I found it solidly engaging. I think the real uh, key to this is like it's mostly character development. Uh, a lot of it, you are just engaged with the the main characters and and the situation, and you find like the story kind of slowly just evolves naturally. So it starts off very light and light in tone, and it feels very sort of a little bit tongue in cheek, very sort of you know, it, it is funny but not in a sort of a kind of like overtly joke. You know, it's just like the little sort of human touches of the situation. Particularly for if like um Kim Hunter and, and like you know, introduced to Champagne for the first time and and like, you know, getting getting dolled up and sort of and, and kind of enjoying like the the fame aspect. Um but then it does find itself going to like dark places, uh, you know, as, as it naturally evolves. So I think it's actually really, really well, well developed, and I think it's just like a really solid, natural story, to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of, I mean, the, coming to it, where do you, where do you go from the end of the last film? It's kind of. So I think I think to come a musical. To, <laughs> Almost. Well, you had to. They did that in The Simpsons, didn't exactly. they? Exactly. Let's do that. <laughs> you can talk. I can sing. Yeah. Every time they go, I can talk. I just want to. I can sing. Yeah. <laughs> I would say porn. I, you know, I would say porn, like but given they're all apes, and like, maybe not. <laughs> no. Oh, it was Earth all along. So anyway, we've just interrupted Charlie. They made me a monkey out of me. (laughs) Let the man speak. I mean, admittedly, admittedly I interrupted. I'm going to play. I'm going to mute myself. No, carry on. Um, Yes, I I think resetting the timeline like that um, is kind of a stroke of genius, really, and especially kind of, I guess, showing creativity inside the limitations of budget and again remember this was in the days where they didn't spend more more on each sequel it was kind of less more diminishing returns really um and then also taking it back to the original well the, the planet of the apes novel with the uh, which where the apes were in a much more modern setting and it was much more satirical uh, than, than the film ended up being so that's a nice touch and kind of it's it's nice to have Cornelius and Zero who were both in the background for most of the films and obviously Cornelius wasn't even in the last one well not Roddy McDowell's Cornelius anyway yeah. um, standing Cornelius so to, to have those characters as the lead was quite a brilliant choice as well and to have to have non-human characters as, as the lead is quite a bit of a, a dare as well. Because um, they are is... the lead; they're not just the curiosity, the plots hang, hanging around. Absolutely, 
and uh, and and I think it, it they they pull that off really well. And again, it's it's a typical of the Planet Apes film because kind of it's a lot of fun and it's it's a good ride, but then the end kind of really takes everything out of you. And uh, yeah, that that ending, man. I was surprised they went there. Well, I'm not. So, I knew they went there, but like I would have been surprised they went there if you like. Yeah. Um, knowing what I know now, the sort of big switch that we'll talk about later in the film does is telegraphed. It's fairly obvious. Yeah. Um, and we'll come on to that. It's not a flawless film, um, but it really doesn't need to be. In that we've got two. It, it's doing something different. It's cutting their cloth accordingly, which it, they either have to or no more Planet of the Apes. Um, the it's the only way. I think it's the only way to go because of the way the last film ended, but it's probably the only way to go anyway. What do you do? Another rinse and repeat Taylor continuity figure? Um, so, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, there, there was nothing else to do unless you literally just keep remaking Planet of the Apes, you know? Never yeah. say Planet of the Apes again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but also, so it, I mean, it's, it, it helps set up the next film as well, uh, which which is... Again, one of the one of the best of the series. So you certainly can't fault it for that. Yeah, it's one of those. Classic, yeah. it's one of those classic endings which has a sense of um, fate. Uh, well, I was going to say fate. It's um, it's a, it's like you know, it's the the it feel it feels feels like a natural ending of like you know of of history being as it as it is being that and that sort of nice sort of cycle. What the human? Well, I, I say humans. It's only actually we really driven by one character really, but. Um, what he tries to do um, into trying to like stop the end of the world actually effect causes it. So you can sort of see that coming in the next film. We think it? unless, well, unless it's unless it's that idea that time always sort of is like a flowing river and it mm. will always like readjust. In yeah. the, this is meant to be, and you can change the circumstances, and it will find its way back to what it was meant to be. Yeah. So I I don't know if this is just like a complete sort of you know a robberos a robberus if you like never ending never starting, or whether it, it is actually almost like the Back to the Future idea that they have changed history but they've sort of changed it to the same thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like it it, it it's it's you know the, the the there is like 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 the idea of destiny is like you know the things about how you get there might be different but and they the destination is still the same. Yes, yeah. exactly that sort of flowing river stream, whatever you want to call it, idea. So yeah, it's um, so yeah, I'm never convinced that because at one point, Cornelius tells them how it all happened, and he talks about the first eight to speak. And having not seen the last two for a while, I don't know if that is the first one that speaks. Do you know what I mean? I don't know mm. if his history is exactly the same. Um, I don't know. But, because obviously we have a well, we do have a talking. No, I think history has been rewritten because we finished this film with a talking sort of chimp surviving. Whereas in the original version of the timeline, they kind of evolved to be able to do that after they were sort of treated as pets, which is a few decades from this. Because this, the timeline's a bit kind of out of whack from here, isn't it? I think is it the, next week it, is like nineteen ninety one. Technically, it's the first one or something like that. It's all a bit wibbly wobbly timey. Yeah, and, and I think also it's kind of treated as, as the first eight. To be able to hurt, be able to talk, or be heard to talk. 
Yeah, we will get to that mm. next week because obviously, well, very early on in yeah. next week's film, next week's film, following on from this one, they're kind of hiding that ability. But we'll, yeah. we'll come on to that a bit later on. The only other thing that struck me is uh, a thousand times yes is uh, is a Ricardo Montalban quote that I've always he's fantastic known. for me. He's the highlight of this it, film. He's not in it that much actually. Yeah. Uh, but he's perfect he's not, he's for that sort of really enthusiastic caper. He's very enthusiastic. And he his... first wants to be born in a zoo. He, 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 he kind of like just sort of he sort of explodes on the screen. It's like it's suddenly like you know you're watching a film. It's like holy shit, it's, it's Khan. But it's but, Khan. but it's such like he's such a like a warmth presence. So you kind of go ah with you know yeah, yeah this is it. He's on the I'm screen. I'm not sure I did that. Time, Chris. But he just exudes <laughs> that kind of loveliness. Really, I didn't explode on the screen either. <laughs> he explodes with delight. I mean, I was pleased to see him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he, he has such a sort of a screen uh, presence, doesn't he? So. <laughs> and the highlights definitely would be, would be obviously Kim Hunter and Ricardo Montalban, definitely. Well, I don't want to do Roddy McDowell there, down there. He's great. <laughs> yeah. What, what, no, yeah, he's pretty great too. fun couple they are. And they really love each other when they're trying on clothes and stuff. The looks they're giving each other is just yeah, like they do so actually. Cute. Yeah, they do work out as, as a couple. It's, it, yeah. They do kind of really sell it. Um, and yeah, they do kind of manage to emote through like the amazing sort of makeup as well. But yeah, I think yeah, obviously them too as a couple. And then Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> yeah. When she says at the end to uh, uh, as it Dixon, uh, Doctor Dixon, you're only the second human I've ever kissed. I, I think he was quite wise not to quiz that too much. <laughs> yeah, he, he wisely doesn't have a line of dialogue. I, 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 don't, I don't really wise. I want to know what's happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go into more, many more detail, but uh... <laughs> I don't think we enjoyed yeah. it anyway. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think he's like Cornelius, just sort of, and, and you're the first. And she's like, I don't really ask a kiss. Yeah. You never thought they'd go all the way, though, did you? No. <laughs> I did kind of wonder what he was going to do. I was like, um, okay. No, they're just, they're really sweet, kind people. I know I'm making a joke Yeah, no, they, they do seem really, lovely. And they, that was just lovely, the thank you. They thank do you seem really goodbye. genuine. Yeah, absolutely. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yeah, it's only an hour and a half. Well, yeah, we'll struggle to get to that on this show because there's <laughs> not a massive amount to it, but we'll get to it anyway. I think um, that's part of the, also there's part there's a big plus on the side. Obviously, these you know some of these films as we later go on in the series. I mean, they might have a longer runtime, but they'll manage to fill all that time with essential material. And some might sag, some might be too big. Um, but I think this hits it just right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it runs really well, and the, the start is. Um, the first establishing we shot we see very much looks like the beach Taylor ends up at the end of the first one. I don't know if it's meant to be, but you, you don't immediately know till like a helicopter or whatever flies across that you're back in the present day. Yeah, I think it's probably meant to. Uh... Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they found a, um, a spacecraft. Well, I say a spacecraft that makes it seem alien. They found a spaceship, a shuttle, whatever you want to call it, NASA thing. In the wa- in the water, they've pulled they've pulled it to shore. Um, doesn't quite match with the first film because we saw Taylor inside inside that ship and it was bigger than it is from the outside, if you like. Mm. But it doesn't matter. The forces have turned up, ready to sort of welcome back Taylor. They think, <gasps> um, and then well, they open not... it out, 
And the thing I wanted to note, note that I haven't really no- noted in the first two films is the way the apes walk. They walk like humans with a hint of chimp. Not yeah, chimps kind with of like a hint not... of human, not something weirdly make up. They no. just they walk like a, fairly normally. A little bit bowed, slightly, but still slightly a bit galloping of a, arms. Bit of a hop. Yeah, and a bit of a hop. Yeah, you can see that kind of onward um evolution. I don't know if that's the word. The thing that makes it Probably not the right word. Uh, well, it ca- they take off, you know, welcome back Taylor or whatever, or Captain Taylor or whatever it is. And they take off their helmets and it's apes. And it cuts to like them looking a bit amused and sheepish. The, the, the military looking stunned and the opening credits playing. And all I could think of was the ed- end of Dad's Army when you get, you have been watching. <laughs> you have been watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm not knocking it, but it just tells you you've got a very different scale of film. They're like, well, they're, they're put into the, the zoo, aren't they? <laughs> Pretty much, straight from there. They're, I mean, they're taken to sort of be studied at the zoo. Yeah. By a couple of doctors. We've got Stephanie Branton and Lewis Dixon, both sort of fairly young doctors. And they're doing, like, intelligence tests, like um, coloured blocks and all that mm. sort of thing. Which ones have I shown you before? That sort of thing. Zira pulls up a chair. Uh, they're bought oranges and they sit down with like plates and cutlery to try and cut it up. Immediately they're like, sorry to walk in on you when you're changing. And it's like, hang on, what are we doing? They brought clothes with them. So th- this is just causing general bafflement. Yeah. Because they're not quite they're, sure how to behave. They're keeping stump because like they think, well, if we talk, then everything's going to go shit. <laughs> and just gonna, they're, they're just going to panic and. And, and and start asking questions and we quite don't know what, 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 what we're going to do yet. So they're, they're deliberately um, staying silent. Um, one of them is um, Milo, isn't it? The, 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 Salmoneo, the... yeah. We were, we were talking off air about this. Salmoneo was an actor died about... Well, the, the actor died about um, five years after this. He was uh, stabbed in like a mugging, age 37. Oh. Yeah, it's horrible. And... Um, yeah, um, yeah. he's invented for this film because I was trying to think, where, where was he in the previous two? He wasn't. They've basically repaired um, Taylor's spaceship and sort of flown off as mm. their world was being destroyed by a single bomb. Um, yeah, Milo was the one who kind of figured it out. So I think that, that he kind of he's a character to explain, like, well, he's more of a scientist in that regard. He could figure out, like, how to, like, fix it and and get off the planet, yeah. essentially, I think. And they've gone back through this wormhole that was like, or time hole that was mentioned mm-hmm. in the last film when they retconned that with Brent. Um, and this doesn't really last very long in that they're like they're tested a couple of times. She's really smart. They've they've eaten they eat mm-hmm. with knives and forks. They dress themselves, and as Milo is sort of telling them to sort of not speak for a minute because Zira sort of did. Um, they're put in this next cage to like a gorilla. Or, or Clarence Beaks, I'm not sure which. Because um, <laughs> this is obviously it is a man in a suit, but uh, and they're all like, well, at least they'll have company. Like in their time, they hate gorillas, and not only that, yeah, there's a social other. hierarchy there that the humans Ma- just don't Ma- know about. Milo gets grabbed and his ne- neck broken almost immediately, so he's out of the film. Ooh. I got kind of got quite excited. I thought, oh, Salmon, brilliant, and then obviously learned his fate, and I was like, oh, it's very, you know, very sad. 
Yeah, it was fairly quick. Um, See, sad fun fact. Not so fun fact about him. Yeah, I I don't know if this is um, to sort of almost bond the doctors to them because the doctors come in, try and calm them down and you end up with I like you and all that sort of thing. Uh, And there's a commission formed Mm. to investigate all of this and why there are like talking, (laughs) you know, apes coming through in Taylor's ship and stuff. Um, it's it's quite pacey, isn't it? Don't we go straight to the apes sort of going in and actually talking to them? Yeah, so they're examining and then, uh, and obviously they, um, Zira gets frustrated because they're like, so they're offering them like bananas and they're like, we don't, because I don't like bananas. <laughs> and <they're> like, <laughs> I knew it was bananas. Yeah. Which apparently she does in real life, so what she did in real life. Potassium, yuck! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really good for you. No, <laughs> I'll have vitamin C instead. Thank you. Um, it's quite difficult to eat an orange with a knife and fork. I've never tried it. Cause it'll go everywhere. I've never tried it. Well, it's me being a spaz. So. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to be a fool, wouldn't you? Be like <laughs> hot dog with a knife and fork or something. What fool would do that? I mean, to fair. There's no real easy way of eating an orange, really, is there? Like. Like, I don't yeah. find it that difficult. I mean, well, yeah, but... I, can't, I can't imagine a podcast series on it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, this is this is your area, Chris. This is this is Chris's fruit, fruit corner. corner yeah. As I said, this is your fruity corner, Chris. Oranges, yes. bananas. This is it. Yeah, a, a subject I know next to nothing about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've had nothing the past few films, so this is yeah. getting two of two of your five a day. But uh, yeah, so um, so uh, yeah, oranges and bananas. So um, yeah, so yeah, so now that yeah, so they found out that they're, they're, they're talking and that, and then then we have a, a meet up with the president and his um, uh, resident doctor or scientist guy uh, Otto. Yeah, the president's a good guy here. Uh, Charlie made an uh, observation before this because I couldn't place this guy. And in fact, even having looked him up, I was like, well, I recognise the name. That's it. Who is this president, Charlie? Um, he's, uh, well, William Wyndham, the actor, um, was Comrade Matt Decker. Right. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that means? That was an original episode of Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek Connection. Yeah. What was the episode? Uh, the Doomsday Machine. The Doomsday Machine, that's it. I actually asked that as a genuine question because I couldn't remember off the top of my head. He's also related to uh, Decker from Star Trek The Motion Picture, the character, anyway, that he's playing. So the the captain in that film that Kirk comes and basically takes the ship back off. Yeah. Uh, you know, later to be a sex offender. Um, oh, God. The actor. Anyway, Everyone's dodgy. Character. He's very dodgy. Yeah, go and read up on him. He's really dodgy. Um What's the actor called? Oh, Stephen Collins. Stephen Collins, yeah, he turned out to be really dodgy. He only came out about five or six years ago. His career is now over. Um, so, yeah, they've got this commission that are going to sort of t- basically talk to the apes. And they're introduced by their doctor, who's basically saying, you're going to meet talking apes now. And the commission's like, don't be so ridiculous. Um, and when he says which one's the female and Zira stands up he's like how did she know to do that sort of thing <laughs> they must have followed a cue of yours 
and this scene is just great. They're they're um, chained up to start with, and they tell the commission that they where they've come from, and that but they don't say they knew Taylor. They're asked specifically, and they're saying but they're saying that basically. I don't know if they go into like the. I think they go into like the fact that the chimps are peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they say we're peaceful. Can you take off these chains? And the crowd, the the crowd. It's not a football match, is it? <laughs> the, audience, the, the audience. It's, it's kind of, isn't it? It's a little bit not, not quite. Obviously, you can compare this to the circus, I guess, media circus, compared with the actual circus later on in the it's, film. It's I guess. Like a congressional hearing type thing. Yeah. Um, again, reflecting its budget, it's in quite a small little room. Um. And then what do we go for? Do we go straight to sort of celebrity circus time? Um, do we go straight to all that? They get their 15 minutes of... of yeah, well, um, you, yeah, Zero, like, support note to Zero, like, uh, kind of almost let slip that that day that she um, did uh, uh, experiments, experiments or, like... Experiments. She nearly says dissects. Yeah. And that'll come um, back to bite you in the bum later on. It will. Although that scene is excruciating because they play it like they know she said something but they don't know, quite know it's dissect and they keep on at her and it's like you know what she said she knows yeah, what she you, said. yeah you kind of yeah it is a bit awkward isn't it? It, it, it you kind of but at this point you kind of feel like she got away with it that they just kind of like oh okay well yeah they glossed over it really quickly so yeah what next they're taken to a hotel I love that bit they walk through the lobby your case ma'am I know it is <laughs> <laughs> That, it's just like, I think it's a kind of alien, well, alien, you know, to us and to the apes as well. Also, yes, it's, it's, more, it's, more, it's more like the naked gun cigarette. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> not my lord. No, no, it's a little bit kind of fish, literally. Well, not literally. I was fish out of water. So we've got them basically in a hotel in quite a nice suite, and basically taken out to buy a load of clothes taken to party 70s decor oh my gosh mm. i know they wear some right oh my gosh. um i put it i put it on our um twitter feed today you know it was like yeah i don't know there's something very sort of cricket club about it um it's quite funny because i'm sort of going through all like the classic doctor who right I was now just and, about to say, hey, doctor and he's like really? he's like very best dressed but it's all kind of really bright kind of outfits kind of bits of like silk and different color you know different textures here and there and it's just like an assault on the eyes <laughs> it's, it's yeah. amazing it's just really you know really brightly colored i just think it's fantastic i'm always, always remember, amazed by it i always remember like look watching films these i just wonder why why on earth brown and orange was such a popular as, as yeah same. it seems, seems quite common in that era doesn't it and we see we saw that in um on majesties as well obviously coming towards you know sort of 68 69 i think like tan brown orange were very trendy colors because you see a lot of them in in that film and think why sweating <laughs> but it was obviously just a kind of trendy well. color of the era i guess whenever you watch 70s stuff they're always quite sweaty as well a, a lot of like nylon <laughs> a lot of like it, non-breathable fabric that could be it it's all like you know static electricity and sweat you see a bit of that in um, in Anchorman as well. Obviously, because it's set maybe sort of a little bit later on, sort of eighties as well. But it's very similar, very the similar, first, isn't that? Anchorman is the seventies. Uh, yeah, sort of seventies, eighties, but kind of you know in that sort of time, you know. But it's a lot of that really kind of thick fabrics that don't really let the skin breathe as much. Uh, yeah, I know. People <laughs> stink. 
then, uh, so uh, Otto Hasline, the, the sort of president's advisor, is like, he's got them on the sort of radar now. So he's, you know, I don't know if when he talks to the president, I don't think it's yet, it might be. He's, he's very concerned about, like, he's just concerned because at some point the human race is going to end and we find out at some point Zira's pregnant and a sign of the times, like, pouring in a, lo- a load of alcohol is the way to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't sure whether that was... Uh, at first I thought... Blimey, that 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 that's a sign of the times. But then the, he's also like kind of trying to get information out of her, isn't he? So I don't he know is. if he's like purposely lying to us. Oh yeah, this is good for you. <laughs> yeah. Great, great fruit plus plus. <laughs> Nothing better than uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, and obviously where you know she gets interrogated later on while she's drunk and he starts smoking in front of her. It's just like, what? I guess I, I don't know what what health attitudes were in in that time. They kind of well, moved they, along they since. They smoked in hospitals. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, I guess that was the sort of thing. You do see, you know, there's films. When I was a baby and I had something wrong with me, nothing serious, but like, I don't know, let's say for argument's sake, you know, um, colic or croup or something like that. Um, my mother was talking to her doctor, who was an older guy at the time, to be fair. But his advice to her as a doctor was put me in my, like, cot on top of the wardrobe and have a fag. Oh, God, what? So, <laughs> so that, that was doctor's advice in the 70s. And again, for North American <laughs> listeners, we mean a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems like the cure for everything is just is have a drink, have a smoke. It's like, what? Yeah, and, and they were often told, like, glass of wine's good for you, that sort of thing. I don't think well, it was, they, like, they advice say, you know, to get If you get drink hammered. red wine, that, that can be... If you have like I don't know, like a half a glass a day or something like that, that does have help, certain health benefits, I guess. But yeah, I just. <laughs> Whereas now they are, there is no safe amount to drink when you're pregnant. Yeah, there's the extra guidelines now, aren't there? But it, it changes all the time, doesn't it? Odd one won't hurt, but even then, very rarely do you see a pregnant woman who drinks. If she does, it's just not very much. Mm-hmm. So, but they they basically it just made me laugh. That's all. I mean, also, I like, because by no means health party, experts, but it just made me laugh. Before the interrogation thing, she, she drinks champagne and she's like, but it's called Great Plus Plus, isn't it, or something like that? Great, it's like Grapefruit Juice yeah, Plus Plus. plus, plus or grape something, juice yeah, Grapefruit Juice Plus. <laughs> and she's asked what her favourite fruit is and she's like, grapes, and they all fall about laughing. <laughs> it's like they're just a real curiosity. And like Cornelius has asked, what do you think of human women? Uh, what do you think of like women or something? And he's like, very human. <laughs> and again, they're all laughing. They're like total celebrities. It's like funny, but when she's in the bath, how is it soothing, but very wet? <laughs> yeah, it's wet, and it's like... <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's uh, yeah, that kind of, I, I must admit, I did kind of, I saw that in the trailer, and thought, oh, groaning. Um, but actually, yeah, you know, I think when you contrast it and compare it with other um, other sections of the film, I think it's really cleverly done. Um, and what can be quite very serious, quite heavy film... Um, you know, a moment of levity that we can all enjoy. Yeah, so um, Otto actually does go to see her at the sort of suite. <laughs> We've established she's got a taste for champagne. He gives her more of that. Um, goes to get a cigarette and then goes, oh, I best not in your condition, but it's actually a little recorder. He sort of mm-hmm. sets running and starts asking her questions as she gets drunk. And she tells him just enough about what they did and what the future is that he just gets really worrying uh, worried and wants to talk to the um sort of um 
the president over it. Cornelius mm. has sort of revealed to them all that, you know, the human race, he explains that it's basically a, it starts with a virus that kills dogs and cats. Apes sort of replace them as pets. And then because of their, their skills and dexterity, almost start becoming slaves. And then the sort of war was started by guerrillas who fought back. Mm. And... Hansline is still not convinced that they're saying everything. But I don't know at what point he talks to the um, president. But I thought that was a really good conversation. What did you make of it, uh, Charlie? The conversation between Hasline and the president where he's talking about this is going to happen in 2000 years. And the president is like, well, I think our term will be up by then. But they have like a proper conversation about it. Yeah, it's, it's it kind of, it's interesting because it's where you kind of see Hasline almost himself having a bit of a dilemma because there's, there's no kind of definitive because they don't paint him as just this straight evil kind of guy. He's initially. not evil at this stage. A bit later on, they push him slightly too yeah. far, but not at this point. But here he is actually being a scientist, but also kind of it's it's interesting the way they contrast this with. Doctor Zaius and how it works on in 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 ape time, where you have them talking about men in the same way. Um, yeah. in, in terms of especially Doctor Zaius at the end of the first film, where he talks about what how men were responsible for the destruction of everything. Um, and it has a similar kind of tone, but but yeah, there's just the, the moments where it kind of it sets into motion what's going to happen. But at that point, you can see he's still on the fence. The president is just basically saying, "Well, I mean, he starts off with the flippant remark, our term will be up by then.'" But he, he actually, yeah. he's actually making the point. It's 2,000 years, uh, years away. We don't know what's really going to happen in the interim. We mm. don't know that it's definite. And if it, it does happen, maybe they'll do a better job as a society in some respects that, you know, maybe humans are meant to end at some point in it, the current way of doing things. Uh, but he does end up saying... Sorry, Chris, go on. That's just gonna, it's, it's, a, it's a surprising, like, philosophical, like, conversation that you'd expect, like... Because usually you used to sort of, like... Well, we're setting... in the second sequel as well, yeah, so I wouldn't we're... have expected this sort of depth. Yeah, you you wouldn't have like like uh, you you expect like oh, the the presidential chief scientist and the president panics goes like oh well I'll just keep it under wraps or and and, and just goes along with whatever he says. You kind of expect that kind of conversation, but it's like oh there's, there's actually some thought going on on in here. There's even like biblical references where they like you know where it's like you know does this work or you know. <laughs> Should, you know, it's it. It's actually It's actually surprised me at you know, like at the time, um, but yeah, go on. It's just the fact that eventually the president says something along the lines of, "I will abide by the commission's decision. If you have these worries, voice it to them, and I will abide by their decision." And it's just a bit thoughtful because it's not humans bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the commission effectively ends up saying, this is where they do reveal. They, 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 they say that they're going to go to some facility to be interrogated more. Um, 
I don't know if this is the point where they say they're going to be sterilized and the baby destroyed because she's pregnant, Zira, as we just said. Yeah, I think that that's that's when they come to the decision. That's the ultimate decision, isn't that's it? That's the decision afterwards, isn't it? Yeah, because that's the bit where Otto grins, and I think, right, you've pushed him into bad guy at this point. To start with, they take him to like the facility just to question them, and I thought it was going to be a real rough interrogation. I suppose in some respects it is because they drug Zira, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like they're waterboarded or something. They start off with them quite. Um, it's quite civilised to begin with. They just it, ask questions. It still feels horrible, though, because you get the separation of... Yeah, that kind of feels really bad. And plus, you've got a lot of, obviously, anti, as we mentioned in previous previous um, reviews as well, sort of like a lot of anti-war kind of um, sentiments going on as well. So there's kind of that aspect, there's kind of that subtext, I guess, to it. Yeah, this just kind of separate from Colleen. Uh, and you can, because you know she's pregnant, and you know, like, that they're not being 100% truthful. Um, they, so they, they kind of want to prize information and it just feels a bit it feels yeah it, it it just feels a bit no, this, this isn't a hundred percent what's the word ethical <laughs> no and then they drag her in a minute yeah oh and you get this hot whole what were you saying and they keep playing the bit where she nearly says the word dissect yeah yeah, that's a bit, a bit um, great. And it makes me laugh because they're talking like it's modern technology because he'll say things like, play from three seconds, da 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 da, da and it's analogue. He's going to hit a rewind button. It's yeah, literally. Not... It's... <laughs> yeah. And Cornelius, Cornelius tells them all about what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when we get the proper explanation about it being the sort of um, that that makes me think of the sort of reboot, you know, the whole virus idea, although the, yeah. the virus is different in the new ones. Yeah, he says uh, the ape known as Aldo. Yeah, is that the case in the later films? It isn't, is it? No, it isn't, because it, it oh, turns out to be. I thought it might be. Sorry, their, they have out, changed history. It turns out to be oh. their son, oh, Caesar. Yeah. I thought that, but I wasn't sure because the fact that he's the protagonist doesn't mean that he would necessarily be the first person to speak in anger. So that answers our question. They are rewriting history, but they're rewriting history to be just a variant of the same thing. See, I always thought that it could possibility with like with with it being like uh, a, like a, a like a long period of time, you know, we're, we're, we're in Planet of the Apes, that like you know sometimes like you know. It's like the actual facts of history kind of change somewhat, or or it's kind of blurred. So what is known as Aldo actually was Caesar. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, it's always like Aldo is referred to as Caesar. You know, yeah, kind of thing. Um, Lister, cloister, cloister, Lister. Yeah, it, that kind. Of, well, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, there's always that sort of element of um, of time kind of blurring sort of the stories, like the, the the actual. Specific people sometimes as well. You do yeah. get historical figures who are like composites of two or three different ideas. Yeah. So yeah, it's possible, but if we take it at face value, this is a they are mm. rewriting history by being there. But they haven't in, in the humans attempt to stop it, they're not stopping anything. Yeah. In fact they're probably speeding it up. Yeah, well that's true actually. Okay. Or just kind of just pushing them. Yeah, especially how Hasline's guys are treating them. Well, they're not fostering. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to make like... good relations, are they? Yeah, there's not going to be a trade deal anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> so they they um they drug her. She does admit to knowing Taylor and all that sort of stuff. Um, and she has to admit to Cornelius. She's told them everything. Uh, when I don't yeah the council in the meantime rule that the pregnancy's got to be terminated. Uh, the ape sterilized. Um, Sorry. And then they come to they come to give they come to give Zira sort of food where she's shut away mm. and he's sort of patronizing them because she doesn't want to eat and he's like you know but maybe your unborn wants to eat and then he makes the mistake it's seeded earlier of calling them monkeys which Cornelia says earlier don't call us that that's that's an abusive term to us um and he he sort of smacks the tray away but just something goes wrong it's meant to be a little outburst from Cornelius but when we get a reverse shot, they don't know this because they're running out of the room, but he's lying there dead. He's he's hit his head on yeah. something this orderly. So I suppose it, it would at least be manslaughter, but it, it certainly wasn't deliberate. Yeah. Ape slaughter. Ape slaughter. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. Does it refer to the person who's doing it or the person it's to? I don't know. <laughs> Is it manslaughter or ape slaughter? Which one are we talking about? Well, you're slaughtering man, aren't you? So yeah, it's still manslaughter. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it does strike me as like the most like feeblest death as ever. You know, it's like it's I don't really, because when you when you see it in shot, he literally just smacks the tray away. That's it. Yeah, and he falls off, and then then you have the shot of like this big gaping wound yeah. on the back of his head. You think, how the fuck did they? I know. I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, did, did Guy Hamilton direct this or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, that'll do. Well, there's someone hidden in the corner, like you know, wait, setting them up, like. Yeah. Was he, was he carrying a jug or something? I think he's he's yeah, cut himself. Like that, it's broken glass. There. Glass, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that, or he just had a red, but you know, birthmark on the back of his head, and we've misunderstood <laughs> entirely. Um, so... or, or you just had like a you know uh, like a, a heart a heart attack right there, and the whole thing was just a big convenience. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they were they so they basically you know, go for a run essentially. Uh, they go. They 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 try to escape the vicinity, and they uh, and they then they hitch a ride in um, the doctor's car, don't they? The 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 they're picked up by the woman, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they hide. They hide. Zira's hiding in the bushes because she's now heavily pregnant. Um, and Cornelia sort of is flagged down by the woman, Stephanie Branton. Yes. And says what's happened. Then you got. Hasline sort of, you know, seeing the sort of corpse being brought out, sort of being covered from where this so-called murders happened. Um, but the president wants them alive, and he wants like due process. In other words, don't go, don't go and shoot them. It's like any other case. We we try them like anything mm. else. So they're helped to escape, and they're helped to escape to to uh, Armando Ricardo Montalban. You know, and he's like, like "Well, you have yes, yes. a thousand times, yes, a thousand times, yes." And his weird zoophilia obsession with um with Zira. He seems. I, I don't want to put sexual overtones on it because they aren't there. But he 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 finds her a very fine and impressive creature. Yes. And you know, says if 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 mankind is to sort of fall, I can think of no better sort of creature. Um, so she gives birth yeah. uh, to, to a real human. Uh, to a real human. To, to a real human. Uh, to, I was about to say to a real human ape. There's no such thing. <laughs> to, 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 uh, 
to a to a yeah it's obviously they have a hold a baby chimpanzee but at the same time can you imagine if they actually sort of like just dressed an actual baby <laughs> <laughs> just put a little mask on it yeah. i did sort of wonder like, when they you know the, her pregnancy came up i thought obviously i've seen the trailers but prior to kind of you know reading about this one i kind of thought are they gonna dress up you know are they gonna apply makeup to a baby or is it gonna like, be that a would just, how's that it would gonna just, work out that make you think just use your acting gary okay so at the same time eloise uh an ape in the um uh circus has given birth so there are two baby apes this is really signposting what's going to happen zira's son she calls milo for, for the doctor who died um and then basically uh knowing uh otto um asks is basically searching for them and Armando basically says they need to leave to be safe. And they're going to go and hide out in a shipyard in L.A. Uh, until they can return to the circus. That's the general idea. They'll come back one time. Um, but they're told, basically, you, you, you may, you know, they, they can't be taken alive. We know that. Um, but before they go, Zira asks to say goodbye to Eloise and is shut in to that sort of little... Cage, and re- did any of us not know what's happened here? In terms no, but of then I've switch. seen the film. No, I, I know you would, uh, but like, what about you guys? First time, did you think she'll switch them, or did you really not think about uh, it? I did, honestly didn't think about it because I just it was just one of them, like things where like, because I didn't quite know where the ending was. Um, yeah. I was watching it like kind of assuming just taking it as it comes. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed that like these characters would be in the next film, but then. You know, but then I wasn't sort of thinking thinking about it too much. Yeah, okay. So we're quite near the end now. They sort of go to this sort of... Well, what is it? It's a ship, isn't it? Yeah. They're kind of disused. They're on it by themselves. Yeah, sort of disused. Uh, Cornelius has a pistol, um, but Otto basically gets there um, and, you know, asks them to sort of freeze in a zero, won't she... And hand over the baby, he shoots her and shoots the baby. Uh, Cornelius shoots him, but Cornelius is shot by a sniper. So basically, they're all dead. Um, and that's it, really, isn't it? Until we cut back to the circus and get quite an effectively rocked shot of the uh, baby that we think is Eloise's saying, Mama. And mm. it's obviously Milo. She swapped the babies. And that's it. I think that's a nice touch there. The same as same as Chris, really. The first time I saw it, I just kind of let it go over, and then it wasn't until I watched it again. I thought, uh-huh. <laughs> so it took me a little while. Um, but yeah, to her mama. At the end, I was like, oh. That that bit where he shoots Zero and the, and the baby. And I don't know what this was in England, but in America, it was a G, which is basically the like U. I say it's quite a shocking ending. We you mentioned Charlie like off um, on on our chat thread that this the series has like a monopoly on downer endings. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, he found, fires countless shots into the baby. Yeah, that's horrible. That, oh my that, gosh, that's that's the real horrible bit. That you just think, ugh. I mean, you can't see it because it's just in yeah. like a shawl that's covered in a blanket. He's basically shooting it like a blanket, but we know, you know, the implication. We know what it is. Horrible to see Cornelius shot and fall because he's literally trying to protect his wife and child. Mm. I don't know if Cornelius knows they've been switched, quite possibly. It's a you. 
heavy. Really? Well, I suppose it's not particularly yeah. graphic, but Class- classified in in. It Ooh, it, it might upset children. May nine. Upset... Oh yeah, upset children. Yeah. Okay, it's, it does seem pretty. I don't know, yeah, really Star Wars is a U, and that's got amputations. Mm. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think it should be any Fantasy more. Than, I, I don't think it should be any more than a PG in modern modern parlance. Yeah, but right. yeah, the whole idea of a PG is there's nothing too graphic in this, but there are themes and ideas and maybe shots that like a parent either might either want to check or be on hand to discuss with their children. Yeah, it looks looks like it was reclassified as a PG for video when it came out in 1987. Yeah, I don't think it's one you just put your kids in front of and go back out to the kitchen or whatever it is you're no. doing. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think too many would be super traumatised, but it's something you, you just want to be on. I, I mean, I, I saw it as quite, as quite a young child, though. So, but, and obviously I'm a very well-adjusted adult. Um... <laughs> But uh, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it's just, just a really, really, really kind of down, down ending, and especially that you've just seen these characters over three films, and, and really, really got to know. I mean, I, I think like like what you were saying about whether or not you could tell that she was going to switch the baby, um, and not being, and maybe not being upset was kind of evident of how much people really kind of love these characters and certainly how good McDowell and Hunter were mm. as those roles it, it is kind of um, sold quite well because the, the, you know, she does try and make a, a connection by saying mama but you know to to, to to the event you know in terms of like trying so that it does sell the idea that there's that a... is a clue because when when she first meets Eloise's baby, she's trying to get it to say "Mama," and Cornelius mm. is like, "She can't." And all the time that they're sort of on the run, she's still doing that. And it is a clue she's talking to a switched child, not her own. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it, it kind of sort of makes you sort of think, "Oh, she's she's formed a a connection to uh, to like ancestry or some or, or some regards that has a." a when she says, uh, when she stops to say bye to him, he kind of makes you think. Well, why wouldn't she? She made a bit of a connection, but um... no, it's a clue. It's not yeah. a giveaway. It's not. That's not the same thing. It yeah. is like you could watch it again and go, "Oh yeah, of course." That's all. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, we're looking at a film that's got sort of um, moderately enhanced interrogation, drugging, basically. Um, it's got. Um, taking advantage of, of a female by getting her drunk, not sexual advantage, but you know, um, certainly advantage of her good nature. It's got proper um, discussions about the not only the morality of what they're going to do, but the uh, the nature of of where humanity's going. Not in any great deep way, but just how much do we interfere with this? If we're not saying. Had they said it all happens in ten years' time, that's one thing. But it's two thousand years away. How much right do we have to interfere with that? As Charlie says, it's anchored by like two non-human leads. Obviously, the actors are, but um, two non-human leads that have terrific screen presence, wonderful chemistry. Kim Hunter, I, I'm trying to think what else I've seen her in, but she is an extraordinarily uh, extraordinary physical actress. Yeah, certainly. Um, really, really good. I, I don't, I don't know that we're going to see much better than this. Certainly in this series, 
I've seen some of the other films she's in, but I can't place where. Like, I know uh, The Swimmer's a really interesting Burt Lancaster film, but I'm looking at her character and I'm like, don't know where in that. She was in a street cast named Desire of Stella Kowalski, mm. but I'm not actually sure I've seen it. Um, oh, wow. I didn't recognize Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, the 1950s uh, version. Yeah, with Brando. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not actually sure oh, I've I seen it. I didn't realize. Sorry, I, I just didn't um, put the two and two together. Apologies. Count, and then countless uh, television appearances. Um, Edge of Night, I don't know that 113 episodes, oh, it looks like a soap or something, but anyway, she's in this she's just perfect, I think she's the best thing in the film, her eyes positively dance her um, physicality is great, her love for her husband is great, her sense of humour is great, there's a bit where they're watching like an interview on TV with Otto Hasline, who's trying to explain uh, regression the the idea of you know and, and he, he illustrates it through an artist drawing a picture of, of himself drawing a picture of himself drawing a picture of, and so on um and at the end he says you know good night and she responds to the tv she says good night and they, they they take a beat and then the two doctors laugh at her and she takes a beat realizes she said something silly and she laughs but she laughs with like a physicality. I went to the gym this morning, which is irrelevant other than the TV was on, or there were TVs on. Were they showing Planet of the Apes? No. They weren't showing Planet <laughs> of the Apes, and this will sound like an odd reference, but um, they just stick on like morning television where there's reruns of stuff. So sometimes you'll see news, sometimes you'll see Cheers, Frasier, that sort of thing. Man About the House was on. Uh, Man About the House had George and, Mildred in it. George and Mildred in it. They spun off into their own sitcom. Uh, Youth of Joyce. That youth, that physicality reminded me of Youth of Joyce. Youth of Joyce had that as well. Um, so a, a natural comedian not playing a particularly comic role. Um, and that's really all I want to say. It's the one I've enjoyed most so far. Um, I think because of its, you know, it's dated, it's not that expensive, etc., etc. There are people who watch this and find it a bit hokey, but I had a thoroughly great time with it. Can't wait for next week. That's it from me, folks. Good night. Yeah, well, you <laughs> good luck. Now, now, now you say things. <laughs> uh, Becca. Oh gosh. Um. Yeah, I can't really add much more apart from the user Joyce reference. Did you get what I meant, Becca? <laughs> no, I, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I do know sort of know who you're on about. Um, I, yeah, I would agree. She yeah. does. Yeah, she does have that great deal of um, of, of physicality. Um, I think I gather she had some problems with um, with the makeup and the costumes, so that required. And obviously, where the, the first film was shot during the summer and it was so hot. Subsequently, all the the other films were kind of were shot during the winter, so they had to kind of you know had the chill and, and cold to to deal with as well. Likewise. Um, and you can see that perhaps there's a slight difference in, in the costume um, and in the makeup as well. Um, but no, I, I think, yeah, definitely. I think the, the high points would, would definitely be sort of Queen Elias Zero and, and their chemistry together. Um, Ricardo Montalban, because he's amazing. Um, but generally, I think this is, for me, it's so far going through this series as, as a newcomer to it. Um, this is definitely one of the high points for me, for sure. Um, it's, obviously, it's, it's short, fairly brief, or kind of standard, I guess, cinematic runtime is maybe as a result of its budget, but it moves along really well. It's quite paced quite well. Um, there are um, some some moments of, of sort of really serious social commentary, but they're um, contrasted with sort of moments of, of, of levity as well. Um, it, it, it's so much so that it changed my opinion on the film. Um, what else? Yeah, great, great cast, strong characters, um, good good dialogue, really tight script. Um, 
grim ending, unfortunately, as is the norm in the series so far. So I'm learning. Um, but no, otherwise, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I kind of like the contrast of like kind of like the light start all the way to the, the really grim ending. Uh, but it has a really yes, sort of... it's quite the contrast, isn't it? Um, but I like the sort of sense of like of uh, the per- the per- the per- cycle of the you know, of uh, of the the baby still surviving. Um, you know. I... Yeah, it'll be kind of... yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it's good and yeah, good good way to end it. Um. So yeah, and I, I think I think it's a very good sequel, um, thinking outside the box, but also just feels very natural successor to the, the first one, really. Uh, very entertaining, very like you know purely you know storytelling, all do all well, mostly done through uh, character arc. I think the first 40, 50 minutes are, is pretty much um, them just potting around, you know, modern society, <laughs> really. Um, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, Probably up there with. Um, it's pro- I, 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 I think I agree with Becker actually. I think it's probably the my favourite the, of the three so far. So, what would happen if George and Mildred moved in next to Cornelius and Zira? I smell a sitcom! That's a spin off we all need. I could write that. <laughs> actually, I'd, I'd struggle though on the basis that Youth and Joyce died in 1980 of liver failure. <laughs> The uh, grave, like CGI. The, the last time I went to a charity shop, um, I bought George and Mildred the movie. Oh, um, am I being silly? Or did you get what no, I no, that's absolutely. Youth and Joyce is great. Yeah, and uh, no, you're you're being absolutely right. Um, and uh, and Richard O'Sullivan as well was amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, both kind of. Gone sadly. Although uh, I saw that Sullivan dead. I thought he was. I thought he was like he had a major stroke when he wasn't that old. Sorry, he, um, no, I'm, think, I'm thinking of Richard Beckinsale. Uh, no, Richard oh, Beckinsale. So he, died died young, 30, he? he died at 31. Yeah, yeah. Of a heart problem. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Richard O'Sullivan is living in. I forget what it's called now. Um, there's a retirement home that's that's four actors. Um, oh, and he lives, and he, he, I forgot his name, but he lives there. But he has for years because he had a debilitating stroke in like his late okay. 50s or something. I was gonna say that sounds like a sitcom, it no, does. No. It really, every time I hear, yeah, it, no, the, yeah, there is like a sitcom, that, that, that. there is, um, there is a retirement home for yeah. I, I momentarily laugh until Brinsworth I remember House. that they're there because they're like impaired and not very well. Yeah, it's called uh, Brinsworth House. Mm, Norman Wisdom lived there. Norman Wisdom, um, that was the other one. Alan Freeman, Thora Heard. Yeah. Well, I, bet they, I bet they all had Thora Heard on her stair lift. Um, Mick McManus. <laughs> I was going to say, did she have a stair lift? The wrestler. Uh, who? Oh, really? Mick McManus. Oh, I know Mick McManus. Oh, my yeah. All the greats. Uh, um, I wonder they had a right laugh. Alan Freeman was there as well. Not yeah. That. Yeah. Um, so he, Richard O'Sullivan, has been there since uh, having a stroke in 2003, which was 17 years ago, which means he would have been about 59. So, yeah, he's, he's been he's been unwell for a very long time. But, yeah, he was um, the man about the house, and it was followed by George and Mildred got their own show afterwards. And then uh, the guy, um, Yeah, well, they made films of a so lot of them. Was it some kind of yeah, trend, well, it was, fairly it was, sort of 70 was, sitcoms? The, on, on the buses films. Yeah, been been turned into yeah. movies. What's going Holiday on? Holiday on the buses. Mutiny on the buses. Yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. George and Mildred. Ah, Brian Murphy. That's it. Brian Murphy's still alive. He was. I saw a picture of him the other day. 
Um, don't someone... see them that much different. <laughs> no, no, someone from an actress I'm friends with on Facebook. It was a lot of ham, hammer horror. She posted a photo of him. Right. Saying, because yeah, he hasn't worked for about eight years, which would be appropriate because I oh, know he's in something, I oh, know, a voice in an episode of something. And he yeah. did hobby. So, oh, no, he's still working on TV by the look of it occasionally. Um, but yeah, um, I forget the point I was making about that. But yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> They did loads and loads of like film spin-offs of stuff like that. In the yeah, yeah, 70s. yeah. But yeah, what did you think of the film? <laughs> it's good. It's good. No, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd, I, I don't know if I say it's 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 very easy to watch. Whereas the certainly the first two, um, even even the, the the first film is absolutely brilliant. It's not the easiest film to watch. Whereas I think the, the lighter tone of some of this as well make, makes it very easy to watch. And it's, 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 all, all of it seems a bit less nihilistic, um, especially since the, the uh, so far. yeah, since you don't have the lead character going somewhere. There's got to be somewhere better than man. Um, but uh, no, it's 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 a great film. I'm reading. I every time I see it, I enjoy it. Um, and yeah, it's just the the performances are really good. Um, especially obviously McDowell and Hunter um, and it's sad because it's Hunter's last I think it was her last go round Did she it's, not do anything after this? Not for not Planet of the Apes Oh sorry yes but, of course yeah, But yeah, you see Roddy McDowell again in the next one Yeah um, Roddy's son of Roddy Yeah <laughs> Roddy Jr <laughs> um, Son of Ploppy did you <laughs> Blackadder reference, uh, but yeah, and it's it's. I love this. Good this morning, satire. Mr. Poppy. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, interrupted Charlie again. I'm sorry. Again, again. Oh, rubbish! Oh my um, gosh! Right. This is mute. I just joined in. Probably second in currently my favourite in the series because I think I think after the next one um, I think Conquest is is maybe my uh, second favourite but after the first one but not by much. I remember liking it best when I first saw them. Yeah, I remember everyone saying to me, "Escape is the best of the sequels." I say everyone; I don't know who that would be, but like somebody or something said to me, "Escape is the best of the sequels." Whatever you think of the first one, and I remember watching it, thinking it was good, and then thinking Conquest was like far better. Um, the the reviews don't actually like bear that out, no. um, but I I certainly really liked it. Yeah, I, I, they they certainly um, complement each other well. And they go together just like the first two do without one feeling like a remake of the other like the first one sort of do. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah uh, i am looking forward to that it was i was quite surprised i know it's misleading because rotten tomatoes back in that period or, or looking back on that period would only have like 30 40 reviews for a film of this age yeah but there was a distinct downtick in the quality of reviews for the next film over this one um uh, but that wasn't my memory admittedly it's been a while though mm. i i re- yeah i really liked it this is not any Planet of the Apes related, but Dune's been moved back to um, October 1st, 2021. Right. So they haven't moved Wonder Woman yet. 
Uh, Yet. Yeah, Wonder Woman's on Christmas Day now. Yeah, in the States. Yeah. That would be. That should, they'll have to move that again, surely. They've got to move it. Well, nothing's going to be open. Oh, yeah. um, you do worry how many years it's going to take. Assuming cinemas survive, which is a massive big if, um, I do wonder whether uh, they, they would even approach the sort of box office they were doing before anyway. Yeah. So those films that have a sunk cost of like quarter of a billion already, plus a bit of marketing here and there, I, you can leave it as long as you like, but I don't know if they're going to do the sort of box office we were expecting anyway. Yeah, I think that's the case now. Actually, I think um, I think even if you know out you know taking it out out the situation that 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 we're in, I think uh, I think I think that's I think the thing studios aren't really considering is the fact that it is you aren't going to get the same box office that you did last year you know things have changed now um and it's yeah, and it's going to take so. it or at least it's going to take time to build up back to that you know regardless of covid or, or you're not gonna you're not gonna like have them shut until let's be really pessimistic and say like next august yeah. or something and then open them and the first film out of the gate does 1.2 billion yeah yeah it, it it's you know i think people have already kind of like I think I think Tenet's already kind of shown that a little bit, hasn't I it? Think, I think it's kind of been a bit. Yeah, there's, there's multiple factors it's though. Right. Is, there's, yeah, there's multiple factors though. Is that there is there is the idea that people rather stay at home. There's there's the idea of like actually, pe- well, people can't whether they can or not. Do you know what I mean? With like, what, they, they might the not be able in place. to. You don't know. Um, yeah, but I think also the momentum of movie going's gone. People have got. Uh, I think people just gotten out of the habit. I, think I was going to well. say, I, I did it as much as anybody who doesn't have a Cineworld card in that people with Cineworld cards will go a couple of hundred times a mm. year, but I would go 50 to 80 times a year, sometimes less. The odd year it'd be 40 or something, but wouldn't be unusual in a given year that it was like high 50s, low 70s, something like that. And um, I missed it in that when Tenet came out, I went to it, I felt relieved to be back. But then infection started going up again, and I was like, "This, this isn't worth it. There's hardly anything coming out mm. anyway." And I'm getting to the point that I do want it back, and that I don't want to watch Bond VOD. I really don't. But at the same time, there will come a point because I'm out of the habit, and there'll come a point where it's just not what I do anymore. This is the thing. I, I think as well, it's kind of look at the maybe this is kind of the culmination of the era we're living in of the domination of blockbusters and this idea that it can survive on blockbusters and maybe this this is a kind of wake-up call to say that maybe that idea of them saving the industry is is over i think as well that we are we have to remind ourselves that we're outliers and what i mean by that is i've just said i go let's say 50 times a year it probably averages slightly more than that but let's yeah. say 50 chris will do more than that because he's got a city world card and he lives a bit more sort of urban than i do i would have thought in the normal run of things becca probably does a little less charlie i know you do but we all probably go multiple times a year the majority of people i work with barely go once a year mm. you know they'll they'll remember they went a couple of years ago or they went last year for something or oh i yeah. went in march and i might go at christmas for that when they like when you get might to go once like a month Robin, and things like that you know what when, i mean 
Well, it, not even that. But when yeah. you've got twats like Robbie Collins sort of conflating it with pubs, well, regular pub goers are regular pub goers. He's gone down in my estimation. It's just like, you. well, firstly, it's not the same audience. The, the people that stand in a pub all night getting drunk are not necessarily the same people that are going to cinemas all the time. Maybe, but there's an overlap, but not completely the same. But the majority of people out there, i.e. not us, will come out for an event film or a film based on... So, like, you'll get people who went last year for, like, Downton Abbey, because they like mm. the TV show. They don't go to the cinema, but they like Downton Abbey, so their daughter will take them or something. Um, you'll get people who... It's like, like me, me trying to take my mum to go and see you'll, Downton you'll, Abbey. Yeah, you'll get people who like a book. Like, go back a few years. My old boss went... Hadn't been to the cinema in years, but he liked Captain Corelli's Mandolin, the book, so he went to see film. Mm. Um, there are other people who will go just for Bond or just for Marvel or just for whatever. And once you take out all of those, you're left with the people that will just go once a week to see something, and that's not enough to sustain the industry. No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of this idea, again, first it was Tenet, then it was Bond, and everyone's kind of complaining at Eon for pulling it, where everyone in their right minds had thought they were going to pull it months before anyway. And if anything, they... They were quick to pull it the first time. They were really slow this time. Yeah, they did. did, 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 did it was really weird because they did that marketing push with the music video and everything and the new trailer and stuff. Yeah, they just bumped a few more million. It makes me think. I think that's what's confused. Well, not confused people, but that's what's kind of a social thing. I mean, a lot of people did predict it first time round. But now, obviously, after that big marketing push. Sorry, Charlie, go on. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. It's this idea that Bond, like Tenet before it was supposed to do, is going to save it and make everything all right. It's also the idea of cinema goers getting angry with Eon. I mean, by all means, get angry with Eon that they took so long in the development cycle that we were in COVID by the time it happened. But it was. So the idea that, like, what are you actually saying? You're saying, Rob, people like Robbie Collins are basically, I'm frustrated because the industry I like and that I work in effectively because of being a reviewer and stuff is under threat. So why can't you, Eon, go and take one for the team? They've got one property, really. I know they make the odd other mm. film, but they've got one property. Both of their distribution companies, Anna Purna and Universal, have one film deals. So Universal aren't going to say, fine, we've signed this big deal with you, but by all means, take it to Netflix. Nor are they going to say, we'll put it out in the midst of a pandemic because we're trying to build a long term relationship with you in that when the next bond comes in, if that indeed happens, we would like to be what Sony was in this era and get like a three or four film deal. But we'll happily put it out and take a quarter of the money. It's not going to happen. You, you know, it, why should they take a hit for you? The the thing that sort of stands me is that sort of so like, you know, Eon. OK, we can understand Eon fair enough, but then. You know, part of me is also thinking, well, this might be a universal decision, not Eon's decision, um, as well. Because there's but so, uh, but Eon would have the right. Uh, sorry, Universal would have probably have the right to make that decision. Yeah. So they are responsible. They are effectively responsible for the box office of the film. Yeah. So it's like, well, it's, I don't. So you might want to be sort of you know blaming Universal rather than Eon, but also why don't you point at all the other studios? Because you know they weren't releasing stuff, so they weren't helping out as at all. You know, like you know, what what about Disney? You know, Disney could have released Mulan cinemas as well as doing for Disney Plus, and said, "Hey, you know what? Here's you got a choice: see it, see it, see it at home, or see it in the theaters." Yeah. 
you know what I mean? Or, you know, or anyone else, everyone else, Warner Brothers, back down on Wonder Woman because they're not, not willing to take the hit. Um, and so, ultimately, now we're back and we're cinemas closing down now. So, but they're 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 private companies making yeah. trying to make money. You know, you can be as anti-capitalist mm. as you like. That's what they're there for. They're not just going to go well, fuck it, are they? Oh yeah, I, I know. And I heard that, you know, some areas, Tenet was was doing eighty, ninety percent of what they expected, and it's like, right, so they were they so they were twenty percent under then. Well, that's not good enough, is it? Bond aren't going to do that. Spectre already. I mean, whatever you think of Spectre, it already took about three hundred million less than Skyfall anyway. And the the series isn't quote unquote hot at the moment anyway because it hasn't done anything for so long. Um, they need a good film and a good run and good word of mouth. Not everyone's shitting themselves about going, and blaming the consumer is is cowardly. Blaming consumers for their own like cautions just because you feel safe or you want the, it to open. Well, it's cowardly. It's 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 like you know it's it's like even without COVID, that's just like you know. If someone, if no one sees your movie, you know, it's like bl- like blaming people who, you know, oh, you know, didn't didn't come out and see my movie. I'm blaming you. It's like, well, sorry, <laughs> it doesn't work like that to say it. You know, can't blame people for not seeing something. We don't owe them anything. Yeah. It's this idea as well that the UK is the most important market that they seem to have for Bond. It, it, it is for yeah. films. In, yeah, but no, I mean, you've got films, US, you've got China, India. Yeah. Well, I mean, the US is not looking great at the moment, is it? No, exactly. I mean, yeah, literally there aren't many cinemas, if any, that are open at all. Especially, I think, New York and LA are probably like, the two biggest ones. Just blanket ban, basically. I, I, I'm sure there are considerations in all of it I haven't thought of. I'm just a layman sat here talking. But, but yeah, if, we're, but yeah, we're the not idea, experts. The idea that you blame the public for being cautious yeah. when we've had months of this thing could leave you long-term ill. Don't risk your old folks with it. No, especially and if you're already long-term sick. They, they, they opened Weatherspoons, and within about four weeks, um, 66 of their staff had gone down with it. Don't tell me it's fucking safe. And then and then you have people as well say, oh, buy memberships or whatever for uh, for cinemas and that kind of thing. And I saw someone saying, oh, yeah, I just bought a membership to Curzon, uh, which is like... 350 quid or something and in in a time where so many people have been furloughed anyway he's like well if, if, if you can you know, if you job. can do it great yeah. if not you know i think i've just seen the same as you as well it's just like you know buy a buy a gift voucher buy a gift token but it's yeah. like are you, are you going to be able to spend it i mean if, if you if you it's, can drop if you can do yeah. that great I mean, it's, all, it's all very well if you can but there's this idea there's this kind of pressure that yeah exactly no, i feel that as well members of the uh the community on on twitter that uh, to say you have to do this or it, it's either that they don't think about other people's finances or they think about their own sense of safety yeah so the i know people who are perfectly nice people they may or may not be listening to this but there's one or two who i've seen not bullying they've been perfectly nice about it but when they when people have expressed either fear they've been a bit nothing to be frightened of or when the person has expressed they're going to go like I did, you get like, good on you. And it's like, yeah. well, that's your sense of safety. You don't know what family I've got. You don't know what my work is. You don't, no, you don't know everyone's circumstances, do you? you so know, it's, it's I, difficult. I, I mean, without spelling any of it out to our listeners, across the four of us, there are pre-existing conditions. 
you know the the the, the higher risk conditions without spelling out what those are yeah and it's like you you don't know you just don't know and, it's and you can't risk it business, you really can't frankly. risk it yeah there's yeah. there's no way i would step into cinema at this time uh with two members of my family the invulnerable people exactly no way well, if you could do it like in a vacuum sealed but then way. you get but well, people are getting pissed in pubs and it's like well i'm yeah, not yeah just the mind boggles the mind really I, i'm not so you're saying i should go to a cinema because people are getting pissed in pubs when i'm in neither category fuck off it just yeah it just it really depends on it because and you hear sort of reports of um you know people doing cinema visits you know which is fine if that's what you want to do that's fine i'm not making any judgment but very often it will be like you had you know one or two people in there or you know you somebody in a very yeah. confined environment i went to see it at about 5 30 on a yeah thursday no a thursday night so i was hardly in a peak screening time but no, given true. that given that it was um in in a town as well you'd expect a few to pop in from work i'd expect a, a handful in there yeah and i was definitely. sat in there on my own and i didn't spot anyone in the lobby either no exactly pretty much there would have been people in the odd of the screen i'm sure but to all the world it looked like they just opened to let me watch something yeah you had it all to yourself so yeah yeah that's quite nice it's nice when that happens or if you've got seem like a handful of other people or if you do have you know a, a bigger number but they're very well spread out mm. throughout the auditorium that's fine that really is fine but cases are going up how serious it is i don't know but cases are going up and we all know of people uh, a couple of us know a specific person who passed with it and they passed at not a great age and they were in reasonable health as well. They just happened to have a pre-existing condition. This this is not something to be pissed about with for the sake of seeing a film. And a lot of it has been, um, well, you know, use it or lose it. And they're putting films on for you, but they're putting on like The Empire Strikes Back and Batman Begins and stuff. And it's like, it's, it's well, good, yeah, it's a kind that, of good chance to see movies on the big screen. But at the same time, why dance. would I take a risk for that? Why yeah. would I take a risk for that? It's like, well. I've owned copies of those films, whether I do or not now, I'd almost have to look. But like, I I don't, I, I, what would be the point for the risk of that? With Bond, you go, well, you've only gonna, you're only going to get one shot to see it on the sort of big screen for the first time when it's new. That doesn't necessarily mean um, you're going to go ahead and do that, but it puts a degree of like, almost internal pressure in our minds i certainly know myself and becca would be a little bit like i don't know if i want to go but i can't i almost physically can't not go it's one of those sort of things um, I mean, for, me, I'm, I'm, for me personally if, if, you know, like it would have been eight. the film for me to tempt me back to the cinema but i kind of thought oh everything on the rise i was like well i'm kind of a little bit relieved that it's been moved obviously we I'm, don't know I'm what's going to happen it and, and people are stick it on video on demand for god's sake well firstly they can't trust <laughs> me they cannot with their arrangements um, but secondly, just fucking have some patience. You waited five fucking years, and it's made. It's <laughs> it's not like it's not like after License to Kill, where we're saying, I hope somebody writes a Bond film one day. They're, it's there. It's in the can. Just chill out. We'll do it's, other it's things in the meantime. It's kind of relief that it's been it's been made and it's finished, and he's not going to. Well, if he if Fukunaga wants to go back and, and fiddle with it, that's fine. Um, but it's it's you know it's not kind of lapsing in in development hell for. Years and years and years. It's kind of it's been made. It's ready to go. It's just on pause right now. So I think that kind of brings. At least we'll have something to uh, something to watch to celebrate. That's uh, the 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 sixtieth anniversary. 
Is it 60th? Yeah, I was, was going to say that, yeah. yeah. Will it, th that's the kind of thing now. Will it be, obviously, come April next year? Um, they'll say, oh, sorry, folks, it's been postponed to November. And then I can't like, oh, we'll just postpone it again to the anniversary. Why I, not? I, I, think I just, just think, that, oh, God. <laughs> I, th I don't think you can... I don't think it's easy to cancel the film without a slot to put it in. Mm. So they have to pick no. a slot. But I have no confidence it will hit that slot. Yeah, I, 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 too early. We don't know what's going to happen this time next year. There won't be a widely rolled out vaccine by then. And it will be the first big film to go. And I don't think anyone wants to be first out of the gate. No, I mean, our, 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 we're the only um, uh, kind of area, part, only, only county in our area that's not on lockdown. Sorry, you're the only area, what, in Wales? We're, we're the only county in South Wales that right. isn't in lockdown. Yeah, oh. I, I'm in a part of the country that's comparatively not too bad. Comparatively is still comparatively, in that the number of cases has quadrupled in about a week. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, and, it's, but, it's, really, it's comparatively. But, but like David but Court, still on the rise. About, I mean, I've lived in Liverpool, for example. Liverpool has, I'm guessing a little bit here without looking, but it probably only has like 75, 80% of the population of Cornwall. I know it's urban, but just as a comparison. And it had something like eight times the number of cases last time I looked. So there are places um, in this uh, country that um, have it so much worse than us, but you, you can't do like you can't do it regionally. That wouldn't be fair. Um, and uh, the other thing is, um, I don't think you know him, but th there's a guy I'm friends with on Facebook who, uh, well, we've all recorded with Pete D. Gaskell. I met this guy. But this guy mm. was was um, best man at Pete D. Gaskell's wedding last year, Adam. And he went with his partner, Helen, uh, to a Cineworld. And I can't remember which one it is. They live in Weatherby, which is quite near Harrogate. But I can't actually remember where the cinema was. But pick a town near there, and that's where they went, to, to a Cineworld. And he put photos of it online. And he said, we came in here to see whatever it was. And he said, but we left without seeing it. And he showed the photos as to why they'd done absolutely zero cleansing between the two screenings. There was, pop, <gasps> there was popcorn strewn everywhere, half drunk glasses, ripped up tickets, not glasses, you know, the cups of drink, um, ripped up tickets and everything. They'd done no cleaning. And he and Helen took one look at it and said, I'm leaving. I no. And I said, make as much noise on both social media and even the local press as you can. So t tell us it's safe. Yeah, it's safe if everybody does everything properly. That was yeah, not they, safe. If they follow there guidelines were in place. With COVID that had been there, he would be at risk. It's, it's, it's good, good that you know a lot of cinema chains, the ones that are kind of staying open or trying to be open as as much as they can, um, are sort of you know trying to make a, as you say make a big noise about how they have they've instituted these new guidelines. The staff are trying to do everything they can. Like if you go on the Odeon website, for example, they've they're updating a lot of it now where a lot of the information is cinema specific. You'll see photos from the actual cinema itself, all the kind of things that they're doing, you know, to try and make it COVID safe, to, to try and provide um, some assurance for cinema goes, you know, that it is safe to come back. You, you can do it. Um, Chris, yeah, something, 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 something like that. If, if it was me, you know, and walked through a dirty cinema, I'd be like, hell no, <laughs> no, I'd like re point blank refuse. But you haven't been Becca and I know, I know Charlie won't. Chris, have you been back yet? Oh, cinemas. Yeah. Yeah, I've only been once. I just went to Tenet. Yeah, it's and I uh, felt it, safe. It's been, but I was it's on been my dead. Own, of course, I would. Yeah, it's been dead, and I've, I've, I've had no issues. There's been, it's been absolutely fine. There's not been many people there though. When when you do go, 
Um, but yeah, I've not had like much. There's not. I've not experienced that. What you what what you just described. Um, Nor have I. But I mean, I saw the photos and it was like he's not made that up. That yeah. is absolutely shocking. I may even while while we're talking in a minute see if I can still find a screenshot on his page or something because I couldn't believe it. You know, there, there's there's laziness and then there's like you do remember we're in a pandemic, don't you? Yeah, you don't. Um, you don't. You don't always know kind of the reason. You know, it could be that perhaps they were extremely short staff, but at the same time, I think especially, obviously, well, from time to time, you, you might expect to go into an auditorium that perhaps they haven't had time to clean between. But during a pandemic, yeah. you'd expect extra layers of cleanliness in between. Yeah, I don't want you harsh, but they should close if they don't have the staff. They yeah, exactly. Yeah, they should temporarily shut if they haven't got the staff to be able to do it, or you know, get a job. You know, <laughs> I'll go in yeah. and do it. I mean, he posts a fair bit, so I'm going to have to go back a little while. But while, while we're... T oh, here we go. Here we go. I can show you almost immediately. I'm just going to take a clipping. I'm going to use the snipping tool just to take, like... Hang on. No, not that. I'm going to see if I can just take a shot of uh, of the page, and I'll just show you. So I'll take two shots. I'll take one of what he said and then one of, like, the pictures. And just tell me... Sorry, this isn't great for listeners, but... While we're talking about it online, that's okay. Let me just find. So this is. I'm just sending you a screenshot of what he said, but then I'm going to take a screenshot of what he found when he walked in. And this is in the midst of a pandemic after they've been supposedly deep cleaned. And this is Cineworld that has closed down this week or will be closing down this week. Uh, Brad, Cineworld Brad, Bradford, I don't mind calling them out because we've got photographic evidence here. Oh, yeah, it does go at rank. Yeah. yeah. Dirty floors, dirty strewn everywhere. Yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous. He just, they just turned around and walked right out. Also, why don't people take their filth with them? People well, you're encouraged to, yourself. Well, you are actually encouraged to leave your stuff by your seat so they can pick it up. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Sorry, I... Yeah. I there isn't a city world near me, unfortunately, so I don't know. If I if I take anything rubbish generally, I would take it with me. So Even so, when you look at how the public are at the moment about wearing masks or social distancing, you know that you can't really trust them to take any, of, no. any stuff no, into their that's, own. No, it, it, it does vary, anyway. doesn't it, though? It really does vary. Like, some places you go and, and people are fine. Like, I've just finished a, a temporal, and I think I, for the whole time I was there, um, I think I've... I can count all the people that I served, you know, without a face covering, like a visor or a mask or otherwise. I can count them all on one hand. Like, it's very few people in all us, you know, staff were quite good. We all kind of wore the protective gear and all the rest of it. Um, and obviously, like, in a, in a shop, it's quite difficult, but we, you know, tried to maintain it as best we could. Um, and the provisions that they had as well in store were, they went above and beyond as far as I'm concerned. Um, probably okay, but... Yeah, but other, probably... other places you go and they just abandoned it completely. Um, or they you know got stuff to do the bare minimum or whatever and you just think oh my god it makes it so much much all the more difficult uh, well it's the fact as well that you're supposed to wear a mask unless you're eating and it's just like well it's confusing is it? it really is confusing well it's fine if you sit down at a table in a pub to eat and you're distanced from everybody else and you've cleaned your hands on the way in and everything else because i have been places that are perfect Unless this thing is seriously fucking airborne, then I think I was safe. But in a cinema, you can, you can graze uh, a box of popcorn for the whole two hours. 
You could probably slip yeah. some in behind your face covering, yeah, depending. Yeah, just take the, the covering or, off. Or get one of those amazing ones I'm, with a, with a zip on it or something. I'm sat in there on my own and left it on. I was just like, well, that's the rule. I mean, it's just this whole thing of like you're either able to open and do everything you can, or you're not. And it's like Charlie said, if you're short-staffed, which most cinemas are these days, you we can't. Run on skeleton staff. You, you, you can't at the moment. And it, and if eating and if you can't run a cinema without the the, the value of concessions. But people are going to leave their masks off through the entire film. Then you're not fit to open either. So I've got mixed feelings about it because only in as much as now they've closed, I'm not convinced they'll come back. No, I kind of feel I, I really hope that, you know, this thing was just a, a temporary measure. Um, I kind of really hope that's the case, really. I mean, because they, they are like one of the biggest, if not the biggest sort of chain, certainly in the UK as well. Um, I think that when the one that nearest me is probably Southampton I think which closed a few years ago due to other issues um but yeah I'm sorry to say there isn't one near me unfortunately but um I think our nearest one is probably the Odeon and obviously they reported today that they're sort of going to be go- opening like three days a week sort of Friday Saturday Sunday or you know very much on reduced hours for reduced staff and it's just heartbreaking it really is that heartbreaking I've got sort of friends no back there and well, it's just it's terrible isn't it actually I suppose the scheme they've got to top up wages would deal with that to some degree, it's just well, it's a shit yeah, show. It's if, a mess. If they'd be able to, you know, they might hopefully they might be able to apply for it or like universal yeah. credit, for example, or some other kind of scheme. Um, well, but there's you the know there's Cineworld staff found out about it from the press. That yeah, that's terrible. Oh my gosh, uh, you know to not to find out something like that, not even from your own employer, is just heart wrenching. Yeah. That that that's probably le- le- uh, like leaking before Cineworld have actually made like a decision on that. Because you're not going to sort of yeah. like start telling your staff stuff, thinking you're thinking you might do, but um, come to decision on it yet. And then, so I think it kind of yeah, it's, it's all speculation, and then they'll kind of they'll make the the announcement. But to find out something like that anyway, yeah, it's, but, yeah, but that... I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's it's all circumstantial. But I just think it's not the best way to find out, is it? No, no, absolutely not. Um, so that's our thoughts on escape from the planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, Chris, how knowledgeable are you on this? Uh, well, seeing that we spent a good chunk of it talking about <laughs> like the closing of cinemas, uh, not a lot. Well, yeah, uh, I, I know a little bit about Youth of Joyce, but no, I'm not. So, um, Charlie, I'm presuming for the purposes of this section of the show, you now know nothing either. No, no, a bit about Georgia Mildred, but otherwise, no. Uh, okay, I didn't even so. Know it was a spin-off film. Uh, well, no, I, I don't know if I knew there was a film. There are a lot of those sorts of films, though, in the 70s. There you go. That's, that's one for your feature list, is uh, the uh, ITV sitcom spin-off. Rising oh, Damp, the film? Yeah, Rising Damp. Was, was there a man about the house film? I think yeah, there was. Yeah, Army Navy. Dad's Army. There was a Steptoe and Son film. What about Hammer? Uh, what else was that's there? That's probably on the list anyway. Yeah, there was Dad's Army films, Steptoe and Son. There was a. Um, there were several on the bosses' films. There are others. I'm struggling. Carry on. Porridge out of film. Porridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm surprised there wasn't a last of the summer wine one. Well, they they'd be too sexy for most audiences. <laughs> bit bit graphic. All Maybe that because it was so long action. running. Maybe that's why it they just went on and on, 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 on. Are you being served? Are you being served out of film? Really? That's this, that's this house. Yeah. There's Bless clearly a trend house. in seventies and eighties. I don't know what it is, right? Because I've seen uh, Bless This House and uh, Man About the House show in the mornings. I've seen Bless This House on a few times as well. 
I think some of them are probably on like Forces TV or these kind of channels. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie's House uh, starred uh, as uh, Sid James and his wife was played by Diana Coupland, who yeah. did vocals for Underneath the Mango Tree. Oh, that's the, a Bond connection. Uh, on the uh, not uh, not coming out of the water on the record. Yeah. Please, sir. Steptoe and Son. Yeah. I think there was Steptoe and Son rides again as well. There's a couple of them. A sequel. Till Death to Us Part. Oh, God. And the Likely Lads. But were they any good? Whatever. The Likely Lads. I'll thrust it aside. The Likely Lads ran in two distinct phases because you had whatever happened to the Likely Lads in the 70s, which was like better than the original version. That was the one, yeah. Yeah. The film in 1976. That was a good choice. Rodney Buse was from down here somewhere. My mum knew. Really? Yeah, not well. well she knew him. He, di- he died not that long ago. Him, him and James Boland f- fell out and like never ever talked again. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. So anyway, we've taught you about sitcoms, Becca. What yes. are you going to teach us? <laughs> about so for the we're adding sitcom movies the to the list. The emphasis is now on you. Fact us. So we're adding all the westerns and sitcom movies to the list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt it somehow, but it's possible. <laughs> Listeners, if there are any films, series that we've not mentioned and you'd like us to review, drop us an email, expect us to talk at gmail.com. If there's any sitcoms, <laughs> films maybe, that you want to see. Maybe you should do a layer cake commentary or something. As, as part of the Bond thing. It is also starring um, Q, oh, Ben Wishaw. Yeah, because we can do his first Bond film before his last one. Which was yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a kind of was a bun film, kind of. A it bit. was jarring because I never watched Our Friends in the North at the time, and I watched a tiny bit on Britbox the other day. It looks so different as well. He's talking in a Geordie accent, and it just doesn't suit. Him. It's, it's not that it's bad; it might be bad. I don't know. I, I didn't really make a judgment on that, but it's like that is a strange voice coming out of Daniel Craig. Then you watch Knives Out now, and it's kind of. That's played comedic, though. I, I, I oh, did, of course, I, yeah. I, I, I loved it, yeah. I really did. But... Yeah, me too. So, anyway, um, yeah. we're, we're continuing Thanks. to teach Becca almost despite ourselves. <laughs> so, yes, I, I did struggle this week to find some fun facts. So, apologies. Um, That's all right. Sadly, we not so fun facts. We the running time for you. Yeah, we did. We made it a bit longer, so... <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, starting off with the not so fun fact, obviously, as we mentioned in the show, um, Salmano agreed to do this film because he hoped it would restart his career. Um, but obviously he found the makeup process quite difficult, um, so his character was killed off. Um, and this was one of his last roles prior to his death in the mid-1970s, 76. Um, fun fact number two, Ricardo Montalban's character gives a uh, like a pendant or a medal of surprises of Assisi to Zira's baby. Um, and his co-star, Bradford Dillman, whose name I can't pronounce, um, played St. Francis in the titular 1961 film Francis of Assisi. Um, fun fact number three, all five Planet of the Apes films hit number one at the US box office when they were released. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and some really long facts coming up, which I robbed from a wiki fandom site, so please bear with me. Fun fact number four, 20th Century Fox consider it, considered hiring either Gene Kelly um, of Hello Dolly fame or Gordon Douglas. Um, before settling on Don Taylor as a director, he was hired on the basis of his 1969 Western movie Five Man Army. But besides um, Arthur P. Jacobs, Roddy McDowell, and Kim Hunter, other major veterans of the first film still on hand for the third film, also art director William Creeber, makeup genius John Chambers. Um, he had his job role for this 
for this film, you know, didn't he was still quite impactful. Um, but he had a bit of an easier time, for example. Like in the first film, he had to create an entire ape city. In the second film, it was all underground, mutated New York City kind of disaster scape, I guess. Um, but for here, obviously, they just had to use like the, the modern day LA cityscape, I guess. Um, and fun fact number five, um, Charlie, you might be able to give us a bit of a, I don't know if you've read the comics, um, the non-canonal miniseries comic by DW Publishing called Planet of the Apes, the primate directive. You probably mentioned this previously. Um, explain the knowledge of being a feature in the time travel um, by having the crew of Enterprise and the Klingons working as behind the scenes. So that's kind of how they knew about time travel. <laughs> If you go from the, the Planet of the Apes wiki fandom site, it literally says that's that was pretty much what it is. And it says, um, say, um, yeah, so they basically had the crew of the, the original series Enterprise and the Klingons as behind the scenes characters um, for the events of Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where they left a, tricor- a tricorder behind, apparently. And so um, Milo, he, that allows him to pilot the spaceship that he, Cornelius and Zero, are in, and they travel to the Earth's past, apparently. <laughs> it's all a bit wibbly wobbly. Then again, I remember when Marvel, when, when, um, I think it was when kind of, yeah, I think it was around when First Contact came out. Um, such so at First Contact and Marvel, uh, yeah, Marvel made a deal with Paramount to have Star Trek comics. And they had like a Star Trek Voyager comic and other things. And they did Star Trek X Men. And it was the original series and the X Men. Okay. I didn't know about that. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, and uh, uh, just while we're we're on the subject of films being moved, um, Fast Nine's been moved as well. Um, I only mentioned that because obviously we did the Fast and Furious series fairly recently, and we'd have probably done that weekend of release. That's moved to avoid Bond. Uh, I suspect they'll both move again, but it was going to be early April. It's now been moved to the end of May. Oh um, That's so, um, positive. Um, well, it's it's positive for Bond actually. It's not in the way because um, they have slightly different markets. To be fair, because Bond does pretty much not that much in China for example and you know fast franchise is massive there so it does vary anyway as for social media you can find me at the past kid 1976 on Twitter uh, you can find me at even though I barely tweet anyway but you can also find me at Cinetronics uh, and Cinetronics.co.uk for all the old episodes you can find me at Films on Wax on Twitter you can find us on Twitter at Expect to Talk. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and coming soon, Amazon Podcasts, and wherever you like to listen to us. <laughs> Way to put some quiet pressure on Chris there. <laughs> yes, Chris, you can do it. Come on. <laughs> Amazon Podcasts as well, Chris. <laughs> uh, what, get, get, Chris, come on, get on it. Get on that. Uh, I, mean, I mean, really, who, who uses Amazon, really, <laughs> for the podcast? <laughs> We want to support small independents, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, generally visit cinematronics.co.uk. Chris is very on website. Check us out from there. Um, but wherever you listen to us, um, whatever platform you are on, whatever platform you draw your podcast from, don't forget to, to rate us, review us, to like us and share us. Helps us to attract more listeners and rank higher in the charts. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to this padded load of old bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a thought, though. Just a thought. What what was the original release date back? Was it was it April this year? For, for no time to of die. What? Of no time to well, die. It was a, well, it was announced in the original scheme of things for November, 
Then it moved to February. And I think just as Fukunaga came on board, but I think they were literally just working out his schedule. So would that make it directly a year? Because I was trying to think what the original... Yeah, because it depends how you count it. Because people say, oh, they, people are forgetting the delays before that. But to be fair, the one that was announced just after Fukunaga came on board was April. It's, it's a year delay, at least. But of mm. course, from the original announcement of November yeah. 19, which we thought was a long time then. I mean, Christ, Craig said in August 17 he was coming back. It's it's hardly his fault at this point. Um, Christ, I mean, Brosnan was announced about 15 months before Goldeneye came out. You know what I mean? It's just... It's a slow little process, isn't it? It is, really, but then they keep hiring shit writers. <laughs> anyway, on that cheery note, um, I don't know if there's more substance in next week's show or not, because I've only seen it once, but we will then be covering the next in the series, which means Becca. Do you expect this talk will return with Conquest of the Planet of the Apes? <laughs>